If you're running a business or have a significant role in one, you have problems and little fires that come up every single day. How you deal with them determines how successful your business is currently and how much it could grow. This podcast combines NLP with tactical solutions to help you solve those problems and accelerate your growth. Hi, I'm Kaylin Ellsbury, and I've been coaching entrepreneurs and executives for years. And when I discovered NLP, my entire world changed. I've grown up my entire life living inside hospitals, battling cystic fibrosis, and now I'm speaking all over the world and helping transform corporations from some of the very tactics you will learn here. Things like preventing burnout, improving productivity, increasing sales, and sharing the systems and processes to create a life where you are consistently a high performer. Welcome to Shark School. What's up, everybody listening in? Today, this is Caitlin Ellsbury. I'm your host, and this is NLP for Entrepreneurs. Today is going to be rather entertaining for some of y'all because we are talking about the thing you don't want to talk about, and that is your ideal day. So it seems good in theory. Hey, what is it that you want your life to stand for, and what does your ideal day look like? However, where there's always a little bit of discomfort is in those moments of truth that we can't admit to ourselves that we just kind of gloss over and hope that the answer will come to us. Well, hope is not a solution. Strategic action is. And today, we break it down for you. So I remember as a little girl, my dad was in sales. And I'm 31. I've lived in 23 cities, to give you all an idea. And I was born in rural, rural Iowa. And... My dad was in sales for a company called Pitney Bowes, and he kept taking work transfers to widen his territories as he honed in on his sales skills. And he got really freaking good at sales. In fact, so good that we went from the double-wide trailer lifestyle to being very well off. We didn't have to worry about much at all financially as I started going through high school. But I remember as a kid, I mean, if I did my chores right, mom would take me to Aldi's. Y'all heard of her, Aldi's, right? That is that little grocery store. Um, if you guys heard it just ding, I just hit my kneecap on my stand-up desk, and that's kind of brutal. <laughs> Go me. And anyway, so she would take us to all these. If we did everything right that week, you know, we did our chores, etc., we would get to get a kiwi fruit, you know, those little green hairy fruits. And I remember they were like 15 cents, but that was our allowance. We were that poor, and we're talking like food stamps. Now, our family was better off than my parents' family. So they had learned a lot in just one generation. And so it was really interesting kind of growing up to be in the double wide and the the stamps place and then to have luxury because my dad's just crushed it at sales. And I remember as a kid, he would drive around, he would look at all these big homes, whatever city we were in or whatever territory he had, he would drive around to the really big office parks. And he would also drive around and look at where all the millionaires lived or rich people at the time. And it's Iowa. So, you know, for us millionaires meant hundred thousand dollar home because we're, we're living in a double wide, right? My brother and I are sharing a room and it was just really interesting to me because the questions my dad would always ask was, I wonder how they got there. What do they know that I don't know? What do they have to learn? Who do they have to become? And he, he put in me this, this sense of curiosity on how they did it. You know, much similar to what I almost believe Napoleon Hill went through, you know, when he started interviewing people for his book, Think and Grow Rich. How did they get to where they had to be? And my life became consumed by that question, whether I knew it or not. And it's interesting now that I'm in my 30s, 
I look back at those moments and I still am captivated by that question. You know, there's a documentary out. I watched it last night with the fiance. We just got back from the Adam Carolla cruise. Shout out if any of you guys are there. And, uh, you know, it was all about how billionaires became billionaires. Fascinating. And now I'm friends with a few of you all. So it's, it's a really interesting pivot. And it all comes down to me as what I consider the ideal day. Now, here's the deal. There's something called the ultimate success formula, right? So what are the five steps you have to do to be successful and however you want? When my dad asked the question, what do they know that I don't know that I need to learn? I'm asking the question, who did they need to become that they wanted to become? What was their ideal day and what did they work for? See, when you know your ideal day, when you know what you want your life to look like, feel like, the people you want in your life, when you know the things you don't want to do, and the things you do want to do. When you know the things you should be doing less of and the things you should be doing more of, what suddenly happens is it all paints that picture of what your ideal day is. So there's five steps to what we will call the ultimate achievement formula or success formula or whatever word you need that puts a fire under your belly to make you think, yes, this is what I'm going for. For me, that word is achievement. Success is irrelevant because to me, success just means money. It doesn't, though. Success can be happiness. It can be fulfillment. It can be complete wealth. It can be health. It can be your relationship. So whatever word you need to put into this formula, put that in your formula. And there's five steps. And the first one is know your outcome. Know your ideal day and know what that ideal day is about. You know, we have workshops uh, quite frequently where people will ask, you know, I'm doing all the things I think I need to be doing. What am I missing? And then the answer is, is what, what are you going for? Because whatever you're going for, that'll tell you what you're missing. If you don't know, what's that quote from Alice in Wonderland? If you don't know where you're going, anywhere will get you. Same exact concept. And where most people, the difference between those who dream about success or achievement and those who actually achieve it is action. And we talk about this quite a bit on the show, and it's going to get worse and we're going to nail this in because there's a truth to this. You know, the people who have what you're striving for, they're acting on it. They know what they want and they're acting on it. There's something absolutely fascinating about that. So I want you to ask yourself, what does your ideal day look like? I found there is a correlation between those who know their ideal day and their relative happiness levels. You see, I keynote all over the nation. And one of the things I talk about is happiness level. See, we all have a home. It's a default mental state, right? Our default state. The energies that we have on a consistent basis. How many people you know, they're just constantly pissed off? How many people you know, they're just constantly happy? My mom's one of those people. To the point where it's fucking annoying. She's so happy all the time. All the time. I've seen her upset maybe three times in my life and both, or all three reasons, both, wow, math, not my friend. All three reasons she had really good um, external stimuli that I could see why it would change her happiness level in that moment. But so one of the four components of happiness I talk about is progress, perceived progress. Are you making progress towards your goals? And studies show consistently that if you're making progress towards your goals, you will be happier overall. And those who have an ideal day that they are working towards tend to be happier. So let's take a minute right now. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to ask you, how are you going to make decisions throughout the day that leads you towards the trajectory of your ideal day. 
So you can't make the correct decisions if you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? You know, think of, think of where you're at in your career. Some of you are working on getting a promotion. Some of you are crushing sales. Most of you own a business. Some of you are executives or leaderships, or at least you have a significant stake in the progress or the decline of a business. So take an hour out of this week. And I want you to sit down with your scotch or your Merlot or your spark of water or whatever it is that you do the best you. And I need you to think, what does an ideal day look like? How are you waking up? Where are you waking up? What's your room look like? Who's next to you? What sounds do you hear? What's your schedule? How are you preparing for that day ahead? What kind of food are you eating? What kind of smells are in the house? Or apartment, or condo, or hotel, or boat. Some of y'all want to live in a boat. That's cool, too. What's your world feel like? What emotions do you feel consistently throughout the day? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What does the team that you work on look like? What are the problems that you want to solve? What are the clients that you want to have? What is the need in society that you want to fill? What feelings are you experiencing throughout the entire day? Truly sit there and let these questions wash over you and you start to just journal the answers. And from there you can create strategic decisions on how to solve them. You know, there's an interesting concept where we're gonna talk about uh, super achievers, right? And there's four questions that super achievers ask themselves regularly to help them categorize how they go about attacking life. See, on your list, as you think of your ideal day, I want you to go ahead and write down 10 things, 10 separate things that you want to completely stop doing. Completely stop. See, we all have that mental default zone, right? That mental uh, place that we go to where we feel most comfortable. Some of us, it's a negative state. It's guilt. How many of you, if something bad happens, you immediately rush to feeling like you should have been there, or you should have done more, or you should have been more for somebody else? How many of you have a default zone of not enough? Where it doesn't matter how big your company is, how many sales you've had, how great your proposal was, whatever it was, how much you've grown, still not enough. You knew you could do more. See, it's a comfortable place when you have your baggage, isn't it? See, there's a need and a payoff for you to have that baggage. If you feel like you're constantly not enough, then you don't have to answer the question, what else could you be striving for? You know, to just constantly put yourself down and feel like you're not enough, it basically is implying that, hey, there's a payoff there somewhere. I don't know what your payoff is, but for most people, it comes down to integrity and accountability. You know, I did a keynote gosh, months ago, it was a while ago. And there was a woman in the audience, she comes up to me afterwards. <laughs> she goes, I didn't like your speech. It's okay. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Why don't you like my speech? What, what, what did I say specifically that you didn't like? And she goes, it was just too emotional. 
Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, speeches tend to be like that. I, I talk about emotion, master bracket NLP and all. And she goes, well, I just, I don't like feeling emotional. And I'm like, you're a woman. <laughs> How's that working out for you? And she kind of looked at me like, well, it has nothing to do with feminine or male. And I'm like, I, I never said it did. But typically, women are more comfortable expressing emotion than, than men are, not with my experience with this. And there are some emotional men and there are some more um, less emotional women. I'm not saying it 100% either direction. But I go, how's that working out for you? And she goes, well, I, I'm happy. I'm fine. <laughs> and I ask her very, very directly. I say, okay, I can understand that you don't like emotion. And I'm guessing you're in a leadership role at your company. And she goes, well, yes, I am. And she goes, and I think emotion detracts from leadership and it gets us off of our projector. And she started talking about trajectory, not projectory. That'd be a funny word. Um, she starts talking about how she's really proud of the systems and the processes that she built because it's created this increase in her department. And that's how she got promoted. And she started succeeding at work when no one thought she'd be able to. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. These, this is all very valuable knowledge. And I go, so what's the goal? And she goes, financial independence for my family. Well, that's, that's an interesting goal. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. And why, why do you feel that this is important? Well, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And I'm like, you know what, just something's still not clicking for me. And I, I'm, now I'm curious, right? Because as many of you know, my default zone is curiosity. And I go, so let's talk about this family situation. What's, what's going on here? And we start having a chitter chatter for about five, maybe six more minutes. And she admits to me that her one son has a medical condition and he is completely, he was totally fine for about the first four years of his life. And then he contracted some virus and completely became paralyzed from the waist down. And she had something happen in the moment where she's in and out of hospitals and she decided to never feel again. And the way she coped with this horrendous experience was by owning the systems and processes. See, she can control a system and a process. She can't control her heart. She never had the time to properly acknowledge what had happened. And then her son was killed by a drunk driver. He was in the car, he was in the back seat, and she was running through a green light at an intersection, and an oncoming car came, and it completely T-boned the car, taking out her son. And I guess he flew out of the car and laid on the side of the road while she was trapped in the car. Now, it's no wonder to me why she doesn't like emotion. And suddenly, systems and processes became how she could define her entire life, how she could control things from that from ever happening to her again. Let me ask you, what are you trying to control as opposed to just let be? See, she put everything she could into her career. And as a result, she is a very successful executive right now. Financial independence is important because she feels that with enough monetary security, she can prevent things like that from ever happening again. 
whether it's increasing the the car's safety or never having to put her her other child in that situation, you know, she she just associated the pain with not having the money to fix the pain. And so I asked her about her ideal day. And she just kind of looked at me and she said, I don't know anymore. See, she developed a reputation at the office as kind of being a bitch. I get it. I could see it. <laughs> she wasn't the friendliest creature to me. But she developed that reputation as a security mechanism because she was afraid of what happiness could mean for her. She developed a association with the negativity, with the, the, the chip on her shoulder, with the love of systems and processes and not emotion, not emotionally processing because then she could protect herself. There was a neat payoff. But what she didn't realize is she had stopped living the day that her son passed away. She stopped living. How many of you have stopped living because something happened to you? So on that sheet of paper that we talked about, I want you to write down number one. These are the 10 things I'm going to stop doing and write them out. Number two, write down, these are the things I'm going to do less of. Now, these are the things that you can't necessarily 100% control, but they're going to help you just do a little less. For some of us with our control issues, you know, we're seeking out doing more and more and more. What we need to realize is we need to find a time on our schedule to look at what we're not accomplishing and start outsourcing. If there's a significant weakness in the organization, find someone who can fill that gap. Stop doing it yourself. Do it less. Outsource the rest. Maybe for some of us, it's uh, getting frustrated at our spouse. If you find yourself consistently getting frustrated out of nowhere, there's a chance that something happened to you and there's baggage there. Instead of every time there was a, there was a girl who, um, her husband always wanted to go for bike rides with her. I remember this. I remember the details. Um, but her husband always wanted to go to bike rides with her. And every time she heard, let's go for a bike ride, her stomach tensed up and she was just pissed. She never wanted to do these freaking bike rides. Well, she couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then she realized she was insecure about her athleticism because her husband was so much fitter than she was. You know, so it's maybe not she goes on every bike ride. That's not the solution. But maybe the solution is she gets frustrated less and she tries it more. And then I want you to come up with eight vital priorities. These are the things that you must do every single day on the route to your ideal day. On the route to what it is that you truly want. You know, when I was a little girl looking up at those households, I knew that I would never have the, the giant mansion that the neurosurgeons had, right? It's not the kind of lifestyle I want. And I remember the guy that we had met in one of them, true story, was in Kansas City. And he graduated from college. Then he went to medical school. And I think he had like 15 more years because there's a lot more school you have to do to work on to, to be a brain surgeon, right? And he got his first job when he was like 32. And then within a couple of years of his first job, he became a millionaire. I'm sure, you know, student debt and all that. 
but it was that quick for him. I mean, 15 years longer than average and such. But see, that wasn't the life I wanted. So I had to find the gurus or the people who were doing what I wanted to do. And I had to have that as my outcome. That is my ideal day. You know, don't ask what you want to be. Ask what state you want to be in most of the time. Are you in a very happy, relaxed, inspired, energetic state throughout your ideal day? Or are you in that circle where you're waking up, going to the office, putting in the time, leaving the office, getting maybe, if you're lucky, a few quality times with the people in your life that you love the most throughout the week, and then you're just on that hamster wheel? You know, I don't know that answer for you. But if not, I need you to not only consider your ideal day, but what emotional moments do you want to experience throughout that day? And what does it look like? And find the people who have mastered that. Ask them what their values, what their beliefs are, what their ideal days are. And then strive to get there. So we're going back to the ultimate achievement formula. Number one, know your outcome. Know your ideal day. Clarity is power. Number two, know your reasons why. You see, for the girl who came up to me after, girl, woman, who came up to me after the presentation, she just got it all confused on what her reasons why was. See, she associated being rigid with success. And she called it all these other books, but instead what it was is it was just her leaning away from the problems that she had, from her never wanting to experience the moment where her son was taken from her, or the moment when her son lost control over his body from a virus she couldn't control. So know your outcome in absolute certainty and clarity. Know your reasons why that outcome is so important. Why is it an absolute for you? Why? And whatever answer you come up with, I need a deeper one. So ask yourself why again, why? Why? Why is it an absolute thing that you must have as your ideal day? Why is that the outcome you want? Ask yourself seven times, why? Have you gone deep enough yet? See, you can fake this shit with me on a podcast. You can't fake this shit with your life. If you're not going deep on this question and wanting to understand your why, you will never get to that how. And that how is what separates the super achievers from the average people wondering how you did it. And then take action. Create it as a habit. I want this action to fuel you into a realm of success that you didn't even know was possible. And you do this action consistently. And now that you have your ideal day, you build it into your schedule. That action is the only thing that can take you from a dream to an ideal life. Create the action. Create the habit. Know what you're getting is step number four. Track it. Find the five things you want to achieve every single day in direction of your ideal day and track your progress towards them. If you want to be in better shape, track what your workouts are, track what you're intaking, track your calories. If you want to get that a promotion at work, you need to track what you're doing that your other employees aren't doing. I have a person right now. She called me up. Kaylin, how do I get a promotion at work? Yeah, what are you doing? 
I'm doing my job well. I'm the best in my department. Yeah, what have you done in addition to being the best? What's the one thing that they want you to do that you're too chicken shit to do? You want to lead an extraordinary team that accomplishes extraordinary things? Do something extraordinary for your team. Yeah, but what if I train them and they leave? There's that quote, what if you don't train them and they stay? You want to be an extraordinary leader? Study extraordinary leaders and take massive action until you become that extraordinary leader. Don't ask yourself necessarily what the ideal day is. Ask yourself what systems, what processes, what states, what experiences, what do you want to see, feel, hear, do, smell? And then go do it. And when you get off base, don't beat yourself up. Don't go to your negative state. Just stay with it. Acknowledge it. Appreciate those emotions. Use as fuel to get to that next place. Know what you're getting. And know what it means when you're off course. It's easy when you're dieting and exercising. You know when you're off course. My fiance and I made this vow after a cruise to, to work out more and be better in shape. You know what we did like 30 minutes after our plane landed at midnight? Got McDonald's. Well, there's no healthy stuff open. You know where the healthy stuff is at McDonald's? It's next to the fucking Big Mac on the menu. It's called a salad. So know when you're off course. Know when you're messing up. It's okay to mess up. Messing up is part of life. It's part of the routine. It's part of what makes us human. But don't mess up and then just cope with it and say it was a mistake. Mess up, own it, and never make that same mistake twice because if it's not something that you can just pass off, then it becomes a habit, and then you're stuck there 30 years from now wondering why your life got off track and you couldn't control your shit. Own it. Know what you're getting is step number four. Track your metrics and pivot when you're off course. And number five, change your approach. Change your approach until you keep getting the outcome you want. You know, I got some feedback on one of my first episodes Remember when I was like, woohoo, we got 55 downloads or whatever I said. Someone called me and they were like, Kaylin, this stuff's great. Why would you brag about 55 downloads? It's kind of pathetic. No, you know what's pathetic? That person sitting there dreaming of having a podcast, but afraid to do it because they think everybody has hundreds of thousands of downloads when they start. No boo-boo. Your first podcast is going to suck. Your first book is going to suck. Your first keynote, probably going to suck. Your first day on your diet, probably going to suck. Your first relationship, probably going to be a shitty one. Your first anything will probably not be a massive raving success. Pivot. You brag about that 55 downloads. You want to know why you brag about that 55 downloads? Because if you're not proud of where you are when you begin, you will never be proud of where you are in a later place in life. And it's funny, I asked the person, when was the last time you bragged about something you did? You know what they said to me? I don't. Yeah, damn right you don't. It's not a default state. I've earned my ego. And I'm proud to announce everybody we hit the 600 download mark. And a podcast with zero advertising, zero budget. And I'm in my kitchen right now looking at my blind shake from the AC, which I forgot to turn off before we started this. So you hear a little clicky clack in the background. I know my outcome. I know my ideal day and you should too because I can track my relative happiness levels against that. So that's how you become a super achiever. That's how you become the houses you look at when you drive past and wonder how did they get where they wanted to go. I know the reasons why I am striving for this and you need to also come up with three of them. And if they are not deep enough to move you, 
from a state of emotion as you write them to either extreme gratitude or excitement or readiness, that state of inspiration, then your whys aren't deep enough. Take action, massive action, go for it. It's okay if it sucks. It's not okay if you don't start. Know what you're getting. Know how to track if you're successful or if you're just failing at it. And remember, there is no such thing as true failure. It's only feedback. So if you're not getting the reactions you want to get, pivot, pivot, pivot. Change your approach. If I stick at 55 downloads and I make 400 episodes, there's something that tells me my approach is not working. Now I'm going to change it. That's how you can have an ideal day and create an ideal life. And when shit happens, you can rebound at a place where you feel better about it. Where you feel invincible, where you feel like you can accomplish whatever you need to accomplish and you actually accomplish it. You go from people saying you'll never do it to people asking, how did you do it? I believe in all of you. And if you're listening to this, I'm going to leave you with this. You already have all the resources inside you you need to have the definition of success that you want. You wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't. You've got something inside you that the world needs, and I need you to not give up on it. 